This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. We are joined here on the COVID report by Jamie Mighty to unpack the key changes that come with this move. Thank you so much, Jamie, for joining us here on the COVID report. And firstly, what are some of the key takeaways from the speech by the president yesterday? I think the key takeaways that we have to um, appreciate is that it's been six months of some version of a national emergency or national state of disaster. The positive end, though, is that we are now going below the 2,000 daily cases, as well as having high recoveries. And so I think what the president really tried to set up was a strong case for showing that we can actually move into level one, and that even though we're moving into level one, they will have uh, more testing, because what they're doing now is they'll test everyone who's admitted in the hospitals, everyone who's an outpatient and everyone who's had close contact with anybody who's tested positive. They also emphasized use of the app and making sure that people can use that digital app to at least get alerts if they are in high risk areas or have been exposed. Um, The challenge with a digital technology solution such as this is generally that people don't always download apps and people don't always uh, use those particular apps and some people don't even switch on their Bluetooth. So it remains to be seen whether or not the app in and of itself will be of value. But the president um, did make it clear that now we are at a position where South Africa needs to head into level one. And in addition, he spoke about an economic recovery plan that will in the days to come. I think a lot of people are going to be curious as to what is the shape of that recovery plan, because the economy is really in a state of um, you know, distress right now. So I think those were the big highlights. He did also speak about gender-based violence and looting and corruption and how he will deal with those things. Um, I think that was to be more complete because those are the political discussions that are happening. But as we've discussed before uh, in previous reviews, the gender-based violence discussions aren't always matched. I think is one that I think people are skeptical about. Now, the IEC was mentioned in and amongst um, that speech last night, uh, making one think of elections. In your opinion, how do you think this shapes up the, the ANC moving towards election season? And what, what kind of shape do you think this leaves our political climate in? Well, I think that the ANC will want to have elections as close to scheduled next year which is also why reference was made to the IEC and them being able to register voters and make arrangements for voter registration, even under level one. So I think that the ANC is preparing for an election year next year with new entrants such as Herman Mashaba and possibly even Musi Maimani if he decides to throw his name in the hat. Um, I think the environment wherein the ANC will go to elections will be a lot of evident corruption scandals surrounding the ANC And there's a lot of um, dissatisfaction because considering the current conditions on the ground, you have a GDP that shrunk dramatically. Some people contest whether it was 51% in the previous quarter or maybe something more moderate. However, we still have had millions of job losses. We've still had a lot of business activity shut down. We've had a lot of people unable to participate in the economy, meaning obviously the ANC is not directly to blame for this. Tappered with or tap it onto 
a lot of evident corruption scandals. And there's always a corruption scandal or two in any country, in any political environment. When those two come together with frustration, with economic decline, and there's a lot of coverage for those scandals, what you then see is not a positive environment for a ruling party or an incumbent party. Now, looking at this decision made by our leaders, do you think the president was under some sort of pressure to make this decision? And what kind of pressure would that have been from which industry? Well, there definitely would be a lot of pressure on the president to make this kind of a decision at this point. And I think the music industry, that was one industry that was uh, feeling left out economically in terms of or the, the whole entertainment industry, live events, that kind of thing, because obviously they could not have their events. And now at least they are allowed to have them up to 50% and to a capacity of 250, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but in addition, I do think that the international hotel industry was one that also was feeling the pinch because there is a lot of... Um, tourism uh, which is required to keep this economy running so the tourism sector was one that was also adversely affected and i think those those industries also were a lot of pressure on the administration to take some action to deal with the challenges that they were facing but more broadly i think the president is under a lot of economic strain to show that he actually can reboot and revitalize the economy and this could be his opportunity because in times of distress, people are more willing to deviate from party positions. So him and Tito Mboweni have a more liberal and market-facing uh, political ideology as to how to deal with the economy, whereas the ANC has a more socialist leaning. And they have been trying to push for nationalization of the Reserve Bank. They've been trying to push for expropriation of land. And at this particular juncture, Cyril Ramaphosa may have enough to be able to push back and say, this is not yet the time to do that. We need to pursue uh, alternatives. Which ministers and industries does the speech benefit most? Well, I think the speech does benefit the industries that were excluded. So I would say tourism would benefit. I would say even um, the, the, the hotel, the restaurant industry would benefit. And also, obviously, the events industry will benefit. But a lot of people are, are just going to now pick up the pace of what they've been doing because under level two, there's already been a lot of economic activity. So I think under level one, what's really going to happen is companies are going to start rebalancing their commercial needs, trying to assess whether or not they need to go back into offices, pick up production processes. So even manufacturing and mining could benefit from this. But obviously with mining, because people are underground, there's still a lot of risks that will need to be addressed. In the most light-hearted portions of the address, President Ramaphosa urged the nation to participate in the Jerusalem Dance Challenge with their families in support of the amazing success by Master KG has seen with the song. Where would you place the level of our country's morale, especially with Level 1 looming? As what more do you believe still needs to be done to properly boost um, morale in our country, as opposed to some other just mere lip service? Well, you know, I think the president did try to be lighthearted, but I don't know whether it is time around. I think that people are genuinely very serious about the economy, very serious about corruption. And I do think that once the economy itself starts uh, you know, moving at a, at a rapid pace, then you will start to see people being more lighthearted. I do think having more events, social events will actually add to that. Although people have already been 
doing that already. I think even though economic activity has been increasing and social activity has been increasing, it does look as if uh, the numbers are not increasing. And I don't know whether that is uh, as a result of the African, um, you know, interaction with COVID-19 because across the continent, the numbers of COVID-19 have not been similar to the rest of the world. So the fear of um, a second wave may not be as strong in Africa as it is in other parts of the country or the world rather. So it's of interest to observe that, but I do think that that's really what's going to um, lift the national mood. And also obviously people are watching the incidences of corruption and all of the money that has gone missing during this COVID-19 pandemic. Now, President Sol Ramaphosa made mention of how other countries across the world have also eased their restrictions and how this dreaded second wave unfolded in those parts of the world. Based on what we've seen in, from these other countries, is what we are doing as South Africa enough? Well, to be honest, I would say my intuition would say no, we're not doing enough because I've been watching the events under level one, um, I mean, level two, and we've been, you know, we've been having it, we've been doing it. Uh, because I've seen people go into social events, not wearing masks, not um, using social distancing. But I think because there are some dynamics that are affecting Africa, which are not necessarily consistent with the rest of the world, we may not have that kind of a risk. Because if we, if we were going to have a second wave, my theory is that we would have had it already, simply because of how people were behaving in um, level two. Uh, having said that, however, I do think that um, the risk of a level two is still one that needs to be observed very carefully and everyone has to think very critically about how to mitigate that risk. And looking at Department of Higher Education, what moves do you think they could potentially make considering that examinations are fast approaching and many of our listeners are wondering, will we go back to campus before that? By all indications, it looks as if students will sit in for their exams. I know a lot of students are worried about going to sit and write their exams as opposed to whatever else they were considering as an option. It looks like you'll have to sit for the exams in the building. Um, it does look as if by the time exams come in, uh, universities will be open to some level of capacity. I think most of the learning will remain online for universities because, as they said, you know, funerals are still high-risk areas. University spaces are also very high-risk areas because a university like Vits, for example, has 40,000 students. And if they are all coming in and out of the university, it actually can be um, a center for spread because just so many people interacting on so many different surfaces. The, so if you imagine Vits has got 40,000, UJ cumulatively has got over 60,000. If you think about um, TUT with all of the TUTs, I don't think we're at a position now where we can actually see university activity, but I do think we're going to see university activity for the purposes of learning, a sort of examination. President Sora Maposa made mention of tracking app, urging all South Africans to download the app to assist the process of being able to quickly identify who could potentially be a carrier of the virus. In your estimation, how bright an indicator do you think this is of the progress that has been made to fight this pandemic? And what do you make of our technological infrastructure's capability to successfully execute the rollout of this tracking app and the use of this tracking app? Well, as I indicated earlier, uh, one, the thing with apps is that they have very low adoption rates when they are not of a certain nature. 
So people generally um, download apps which are for messaging, for social networking. They also download games and their banking applications because they are forced to use this or they have to use them for their day-to-day -day interaction. Every other application really struggles in the South African landscape. And you'll find that many apps which are introduced generally do not get mass adoption to be effective. So it's going to be very important for journalists to ask how many people have downloaded the app where are they located, how many people are using the app daily, and lastly, how many people are using the app at least once a week. Because if the app is not being used and Wi-Fi is not being switched on and all of those kind of things are not happening, then critical questions will then have to be asked about whether or not that particular app is working. But besides the usage, there's also the issue of not everyone has a smartphone. And uh, the president made reference of using WhatsApp as one of the alternatives. But the reality is if you don't have a smartphone, you also don't have WhatsApp because you cannot just have WhatsApp on an analog phone, uh, for example. So the discussion around what what is the impact of a technological intervention such as this one is that it's necessarily not going to be at the same level as in Europe or in, in America or even in China because there's not enough people who use the technology and there's not enough people, even if it's zero rated, with uh, an appetite for downloading an app and using an app. So I think that when we're looking at uh, smart solutions, I don't think that the use of technology here will cause much of a differentiation or the kind of differentiation that we're looking for. Just been joined by our resident political analyst here on the COVID report, Mr. Jamie Mighty, to unpack the latest speech from President Cyril Ramaphosa announcing plans last night to move the country to lockdown alert level one with effect from midnight this coming Sunday. He also went to great lengths to mention how important the recently introduced COVID alert SA app will be in our continued fight against the pandemic. We will touch on the app in greater detail in just a bit. Before we do that, though, we took to the streets to get reaction from the public as far as how they feel with the impending move to lockdown level one. And this is what they had to say. The country moving to level one, economically it's good because, I mean, our economy is bad, but then the virus, people are still getting infected, it's not over. But question is, are we going to survive like the virus? We need a vaccine first. If I had it my way, I would say we focus on getting a vaccine completely and then we can move to level one. Because right now people will be more careless, but then the risk of getting the virus is higher now. I feel I'm overwhelmed, you know why? Because now I have the freedom that I had before all of this started, you see. So now, in terms of that, I mean, I'm glad liquor is back, you know, because, I mean, I'm so overwhelmed right now, you know. I mean, I feel that everything is just, it's just going to go back to how things used to order at first. Now, like, it's fine, like, the but, like, the muskets are not your shop because of, like, we can't pre probably get a mask. And yeah, like they will be able to prevail. And like all, we all want to be here. I have mixed emotions about the relaxation of the lockdown rules. I feel quite sad that the president had kind of no choice but to save the country's economy by exposing us to the virus. But I'm also super elated that finally South Africa is gaining back their normal. 
the past six months have been a roller coaster because we've been facing both the COVID pandemic and the Libya effect. So I feel relieved and at the same time a bit nervous because it could take one wrong move and the universe could take a turn again. Going into level one, I think there is many factors at play. On one side, the economy really does need to open up. Although some parts of it have opened up, I know in the arts, um, some things haven't been able to open up because adhering to regulations just wasn't feasible. Like opening a theater and only allowing 50 people inside, thinking about the fact that there will be other people in the theater before we even speak of our audience just wouldn't have been profitable. Um, so I think it's good for people to make a livelihood, you know, and for people's mental health, um, one, making a livelihood, but being able to see things and go to places you enjoy. And some people who are stuck outside of the country who couldn't be repatriated because the ticket for repatriation was like, some people were saying way higher than a ticket on a normal day coming back to South Africa from another country, you know, but I think the downside is a lot of people, even before level one, um, felt like COVID was a big mind over matter thing, you know. Therefore, a lot of people already were not adhering to regulations. And I feel like in level one, it may get a bit worse. And although, like, numbers are decreasing of people who are getting infected, the fact of the matter is there is people that have passed from this. You know, there is people that we've lost from this. Lives have been lost from this um infection during this global pandemic um and yeah the other thing also i think is we were able to contain it because it was the people in the country you know um getting infected getting treated and all that stuff but now we're allowing other people from other countries in uh be it they are they are from the country or they're from outside the country you know and i don't know i think it'll be just a bit more challenging to work with people coming from outside the borders. But um, although I'm worried, I am very ecstatic for this, you know, I'm, I'm happy. And that is what our fellow South Africans had to say about the move to lockdown level one. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. 88. Or streams by www.varfm.co.za.